Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. And if you are new to the show, we talk D&D lore. We mm-hmm. we, we dive into uh, all the history and characters and all like the stuff that um, most people like think it's interesting and know like a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary and myself uh, think it's the only thing in the world that matters. It's pretty important, yeah. And uh, we try to learn as much of it as possible. And then we pass on the savings to you. (laughs) Pass on the savings. We are doing all the legwork for you. We're doing doing. doing the the work of Paylor. We're doing the Lord's work. And by the Lord, I mean Paylor. Paylor, Uh, got it. And uh, and if you are not new to the show, you know exactly how ridiculous and hyper-fixated we can get. And, and unapologetically so. Absolutely. I <laughs> I have gotten into terrain making. I am so uh, excited about this because I find it fascinating, but I do not have the space to terrain build. Like, I don't have a place for physical D&D yet, so I have to keep mine digital, and I'm just going to live vicariously through you and encourage the uh, tinkering gnome part of my brain that way. Yeah, this is this is definitely the tinkering gnome part of 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 me coming out, and it's it's a lot of fun. And it's you know it's it's I start off doing it the way anyone starts off doing anything nowadays is watching videos on YouTube and of thinking course. like I could probably do that. I can do that. I've um, got this. And so far, I've only spent like sixty bucks, which is uh, as far as like a financial like investment is not bad at all. And I've got enough foam to last me. Uh, I've I bought a eight eight foot by four foot sheet of foam. Which um I have to ask this because I did work in costume and mascot manufacturing for a very 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 long time. Which type of foam did you go for? Because that part of my brain needs to know. XPS. Okay. Okay. 
that is the go-to foam um from for you know this this sort of project yeah um it's very malleable Mm -hmm. so if you're Mm -hmm. making dungeon tiles you can like put like little scratch marks in them and little like you know uh, imperfection and stuff um and if you're making and it's easy to cut it's 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 firm it's rigid but you know but easy enough to cut with like you know a box cutter or a knife or something yeah um but speaking of the gnome parts of our brains tinkering about uh it's funny you mentioned that because we are actually talking about gnomes this week and not just gnomes in general no not just the regular surface level gnomes not at all but a very specific type of gnome a gnome uh-huh, whose uh-huh. name need not be spoken because it's so, you know, it's, they're just so well known. So I'm not going to bother saying it. He's, you're not going to bother saying deep gnomes? Is that hard for you to say? Well, they are known as, they are also known as deep gnomes. <laughs> yes, the deep gnomes or the Sferf Neblin. Okay, well, you went ahead and said it. That's fine. I did. I did. Um, And we're going to get you to say it by the end of the show. You said so. In our conversations pre-recording, that by the end of this episode you were going to get it right, and that you might be in tears, but you were going to get it right. <laughs> Snurf Neblin, is that right? Close. Sv. S V. Sv. Sverf. Okay, let's let's just enough enough of my inability <laughs> to speak this word. Let's get into the lore. What, uh, who, what are they? Where do they come from? Why are they, why do they have a name that's so hard for me to pronounce? I can answer most of those questions. I don't know what's wrong with your face hole and why it can't say that. That's, that's between me and Paylor. That's, that's that's between you and yeah, that's between you and Paylor. Um, so <laughs> they are the Swerf Neblin or Deep Gnomes are a subspecies of gnome that live in the Underdark. So these little guys are one of my personal favorites in D and D. Just off the top, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there. It's one of my favorites. I is one of my favorite characters I have ever played as well through a campaign was one of these. Um, they're often quiet and reserved, um, very cunning and suspicious of outsiders, but they can be just as kind and compassionate and loyal as their cousins on the surface side. Um, it was that wariness of others and cunning that has allowed them to keep their society's secret and for them to be able to continue to survive in the Underdark. So according to D&D Beyond and their character creation, the Deep Gnomes, or Sverf Neblin, live in small communities scattered in the Underdark. Unlike the Durgar and the Drow, Sverf Neblin are as good as their surface cousins. However, their humor and enthusiasm are dampened by their oppressive environment and their inventive expertise is directed mostly at stonework so that's interesting because you think of the 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 dark gnomes and the dark elves mm-hmm. or the dark um dwarves i'm sorry and the dark elves those are like the you think of those as like the the evil versions of, of dwarves right. and elves but these little guys these little these little scamps little scamps they just happen to, you know, live in the underdark and do all the underdark type things, but they're, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they're little, they're little cutie pies. They're just little, little guys, you know, just a little guy. Just um, little dark vision, living in the dark, having dark vision, dark. Exactly. trying to avoid mind flayers and aboliths. And, and all the other wonderful things that happen down in the underdark. Which we will be talking about. We will be talking about as well as the uh, other things that live down there. 
you know, just in time for spring, we're talking about gnomes and dark stuff. Well, so, you know, we like to we d- switch it up a bit. Gotta, you gotta. So all types of gnomes, um, the uh, deep version versus the surface version, all of them are approximately the same size. So about three foot, to three and a half foot tall, or approximately a meter if you're, you know, using those measurements. Um, anyone else cons- but in the United States. Anyone but the U.S. Um, right. They are uh, considered to be fully grown at about 25 years old. And while they can live for centuries, the Sferth uh, Neblin, see, there we go, typically only live to be about 200 to 250 versus some of the others living upwards of five centuries. I mean, it has to do with the life, the environment that they live in, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's the uh, the environment usually claims them long before Ooh. they hit that 200 to 200 and. 50 year mark um you're classified as a small creature and usually weigh about 80 to 120 pounds although in some of the other information i found there's there's little discrepancies i'm assuming due to changes between um different editions of dnd yeah you some and list them as small as 40 pounds which as is 40 to wild. 45 pounds which is because that's like a six-year-old yeah exactly it's like my toddler was that weight? I remember for some reason, my first grade report card had my weight on it. I don't know. Oh. Who knows, right? I... So back when you were gnome size. So yeah, and I was gnome size then. I was. I think mm-hmm. it said something like thirty five, thirty six pounds, something like that. Yep. And you know, I'm a relatively right. small guy. Uh, but uh, yeah. So like, good to know that you know for a while I could have passed for a gnome. You could have. Uh, walking speed is approximately 25 feet. Um, so they're, they're a little bit different looking due to living down where they do. Uh, skin varies from a medium brown to a brownish gray color. Um, they tend to have black or brown eyes and have uh, their bodies are described as gnarled and wiry. Um, males are typically bald. Oh, hold on, bald. hold on. You're not Females just going to skip over hair. that. What that they're described as being gnarled and wi- and wiry, kind of because... thin and gaunt. Oh, they're they're. It, I thought for a while. I thought you said they're brains. I did not. And I said frame. They're fray. I thought you said their brains yes, are they described have as gnarled, gnarled and wiry, wiry brains. And wiry I was like, brains. and I thought, I am seen for the first time in my life. I know Wait, how to what? describe how my brain thinks now. Gnarled and wiry. Wiry. <laughs> well, okay. yeah. Okay. All right. It's, it's not the way. I, it's not what you said, but it's a discovery nonetheless. It still fits. It's not wrong. Not completely right, but not completely wrong. It's not wrong at all. <laughs> that's that's me. Gnarled and wiry. Gnarled like, and like, wiry. How you look. Like, no, how I think. It's how I think. Um, <laughs> so deep gnomes have superior dark vision which means that they can see for radius of 120 feet or 136 meters and they can see in dim light as if it were you know full regular bright light and then in darkness things appear as shades of gray as is you know customary with dark vision um they came they do come with three languages pre-installed um gnomish common and undercommon although the uh, dark gnome version of gnomish is a bit more guttural sounding than the versions 
spoken up top on okay. surface level. Um, most of them only know a little bit of common though, and it's typically more the gnomes that are or the you know deep gnomes that are dealing with outsiders more frequently. So being an adventurer, yeah, you would know more common than just the run run of the mill guy that's you know in the village. Right, um, right. And the um, gnomes are also renowned for gnomish is renowned for its documentation and cataloging of the natural world as well as its technical treaties. Although I found it interesting when I was reading this that uh, dwarvish is how things were written down for them. So like it translated across. So a lot of their stuff is what is the go-to, like all their documentation is kind of go-to for information on stuff because of how well it was done. Um, they also have this, they have a bunch of little neat features about them. Um, having stone camouflage, which allows you to get an advantage on stealth checks in rocky and stony terrain. Nice, At nice. level, right? Like, okay, yeah, if you're gonna, depending on where you're at, perfect little guys for a thing. At level three, uh, you get neat qualities specific to that subspecies, so you gain the gift of the Spurf Neblin, which gives you the ability to cast Disguise Self, which changes the appearance, including your gear, to look like someone else within certain limits uh, for up to an hour. You can adjust the height up one foot or down one foot, which I don't know what a foot shorter than a gnome would be. A uh, gnome child, <laughs> obviously. Did you say a gnomelet or something? A gnomelet? A little gnomelets, little... Little gnomelet? Nibblings? <laughs> Nomling? Anomaly. There we go. Anomaly. Um, but they would have to have, you know, same arrangement of limbs. You can't add any extras in there or anything like that. And it is just an illusion spell. So it's not going to hold up to a physical inspection. So you make yourself look a foot taller. Someone throws something at your head. It's going to go straight through the head that doesn't exist and illusion shatter. Right. Uh Fifth level, you gain the ability to cast non-detection without requiring the material components, which I think is neat if you do that sort of thing at your table. I've never kept track of those personally. We're expecting anyone to. Yeah, it's definitely not something that I usually, um, I mean... Depending on what it is. Right. Right. Within reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I usually, you know, you know, wave of hand, like you, uh, as a wizard, as a spellcaster, you probably, you know what uh, when you, you need. Yeah. When you get into town, you go that. and try to procure what you need to cast these spells. Exactly. Exactly. So they are also blessed with a uh, gnomish magic resistance, which grants advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic which is super helpful again, and are also blessed with the Spurf Neblin camouflage, which allows you to make dex checks with advantage, and you can use that trait up to um, up to the number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and those uses are regained after a long rest. Um, according to the Forgotten Realms campaign setting for the third edition, they were also blessed with an affinity for working with stone very similar to the dwarves which i again find really fascinating um 
This gave them the ability to understand the earth surrounding them in ways that few other species could. And they also lacked most of the, uh, most gnomes have a natural gravitation towards cantrip type abilities. Um, but in that variation, the Sperth Nebulid could also blind other beings, obscure their presence and go undetected and have that built-in affinity for avoiding danger and hiding, just kind of a built in there like ah there's trouble that path i feel like we should go this way let's yeah, just like a, not a built-in survival mechanic so yeah. they can try to live past 250 past 250 so with that basic game mechanic stuff covered you know the interesting stuff let's get to the more interesting stuff the culture the history the, the lore, you know, the lore. <laughs> um they are a very cynical and a very surly sort of folks that don't really expect much more from life than what was given to them. So it's kind of a, it is what it is kind of culture. So a bunch of like middle-aged <laughs> people, like with the, with the personality and like mindset of a middle-aged person, like this is it, this is all, don't, you know, if you don't get your <laughs> expectations too high, you won't get right. disappointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. They're I suspicious of- I, right, yeah. I was like, "Well, kind of cynical and surly." I get that too. There's a there's a grumpy older gentleman that runs things in my brain sometimes, and he feels that way. They are suspicious of all strangers, but especially those of other species. Um, but can also be rather suspicious of other deep gnomes as well. So it's kind of just anybody that isn't a member of their family kind of raising the you know got the eyebrow got the stink eye at him um or even usually, like like their village like yeah even others within their village they would even yes depending on who it was um they were they're respectful of other spurf neblin but respectfully wary again i feel that <laughs> exactly typically keep to themselves and are extremely extremely cautious when contacting other species um they are hard work working folks that dedicate themselves completely to any task that they choose to do um usually um males work as lapidaries uh gem cutters and polishers or worked the mines while the females of the species kept the house doted on the children and did the gathering and preparing for different meals and stuff like that okay um, all right Many outsiders find them to be overly serious, and this little attitude of theirs could make their company seem rather sour. But this quality has um, has made their, you know, tireless pursuit of excellence in forging weapons and their metalwork like that. That attitude has made it to where they can just focus on what they need to do and not worry too much about anything outside of that. The environment, though, that they inhabit is extremely dangerous and unforgiving. And honestly, I think you have to be somewhat stoic and have that kind of mentality in order to survive. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit serious if and exactly. if you can, if you walk down, if you walk into the, the wrong like cavern mm -hmm. and then and pos could possibly get killed. You have to you yeah. can't just, you know, be running around all fancy free and willy nilly. All willy nilly, mm -hmm. as the kids like to say on the TikTok nowadays. The TikTok. All Willard Nillard. I bet that there was a man named Willard 
Nillard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and he was mm-hmm. he lived just like that. And See, this in... is where I know for a fact you couldn't be a dark gnome because they tend to <laughs> quietly suffer in order to survive. And I like to be vocal it about it and make suffering. everyone else suffer. I exactly, exactly. Um, again, keep quiet and to themselves because any raised voices, any sounds could attract danger at any point. Even the things that are like typical comforts, such as warmth or, you know, light via fire are used extremely sparingly. Um, Even as with cooking, they would also try to avoid using it as well. Makes sense. Just so that they don't draw any unnecessary attention. Um, The seriousness, overall demeanor lightened though, whenever they were admiring the gems that they were so so very fascinated with so like all that surliness give them something shiny <gasps> Ooh, happiness again i feel that <laughs> exactly give like, me something shiny no yeah like i i'm like you know mad about something or i'm in a crummy mood like toss me like a D book or mm-hmm, you know, give me some mm-hmm. dice or something i'm just saying if someone handed me a raw jewel i'd probably be pretty smiley about that too though just Throwing I don't, it out there. I mean, only in how that, many like, books, uh, right. Like, how many like books what is this buy with it? Like, how many books could I buy with this? How many adventures? Like, so, I want to be able though... to walk into my, you know, local friendly gaming store <laughs> and be like, I want the books. And they say, which ones? And I say, all of them. Yes. And I hold and up slap this that gym down on the counter. And they're like, sir, we take regular money. Like, this is it. I don't know. I you've obviously lost your grip on reality. You think like this is any. I need time. you to this go like... in there dressed as a wizard. So yeah, exactly. And do this. Dressed in full plate armor. Full plate armor. Welcome to weird one of side quests with Sergio. Water deep merchants that you can just you know pay us in jewels. I'll take one jewels. of every book you have. Behold my jewel. It is glorious. Um, so though they're more like stoic, more serious than the other subspecies of gnomes, they do share that same level of curiosity and that craftiness. And it's that insatiable drive that was more often than not what would cause some of them to some of the Sferf Neblin to abandon all of that caution they're raised with and set out to explore the world. So some of these guys would leave looking to set their sights higher, seeking out the surface world that their ancestors had abandoned so long ago, while many casters would go surface side to expand their knowledge, learn more of the arts that than they could actually learn being down there in the dark depths of their home. And still others went out seeking new veins with precious gems and ore to mine. So... It is that harsh conditions, the harsh conditions of the Underdark in that environment that Spurf Neblin society was shaped and molded by. Um, They value their children very, very highly as there is an extremely low birth rate to mortality rate. You can see that for sure. Right. Couples typically had less than four children and very, very rarely more than six. So the mothers would almost obsessively dote on them and take care of them, but not like in the creepy helicopter way, more of a, these children are a valuable resource and we have to take care of it as best as we can kind of a way. Um, which that, that part, I started doing the math on that 
And that is so, so far out of balance. I cannot even like the, imagine living 200 to 250 years, but there are only six children born within that time period. And that's the high end of things. You know, they're not all going to survive down there. They're not all going to survive. And so it just, yeah, that's tiny little bitty villages. <laughs> so Bacon, uh, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. upon becoming an adolescent was what that next phrase was supposed to be. And I don't know what my mouth said, but it wasn't words. Look, you can't read what you wrote. I can't pronounce Snurfnevelin. Getting closer and closer. This is, as I'm never going to get it right. I know. I can't say upon. But I can say for like we Nevelin. all we all have our have trials our to face. We all have our dragons to slay. <laughs> Yours happens to be three foot tall. My little suckers wiry and, <laughs> and, and wiry and gnarled. And gnarled. Upon becoming an adolescent, children were apprenticed rather quickly to a master in whichever trade they're expected to take on, and they consider adulthood to be again about twenty five years old. But it's also whenever it is that they begin to work full time in a trade. And they do so until they're no longer able to. Retirement's not really a thing that the uh, Spurf Neblin have a concept of. You just work until you can't anymore. Very, very reminiscent of our own society. It is a little bit, mm, sounds familiar. Unfortunately. Well, at least they're honest about not having retirement, though. Right. <laughs> so as a society uh they do consider both gender roles equally important ones that i mentioned earlier males doing their thing and the females doing theirs whether it's working outside of the home as the male or inside the home as a female both are respected and both are necessary um their concept of equal labor didn't stop at the civilian level either all the way throughout their society this is upheld and it goes all the way up to the top so all cities, all Swerf Neblin cities are governed by a king and a queen who rule as a partnership and are very rarely actually a married couple. Interesting. Right? <laughs> they are elected for life independently of one another after their respective predecessors' deaths which I think is fantastic. Um, the king is usually the head of the community's defenses and the mining operations, while the queen is in charge of taking care of the community by ensuring there's enough food and water and supplies for everybody, and also taking care of the day-to-day -day bureaucracy and stuff like that within the community. I bet, I bet there's like plenty of deep gnomes who like if the king and queen aren't married, mm -hmm. yeah, they're like, they're like, they should just get together. They they make such a cute couple. They just make sense. It I like that you went. Sense. I like that you went to the accent I used for my Spurf Neblin, though. Isn't that just isn't that the accent? It is. It's un unintentionally, it was borderline Harley Quinn. But yes, that was the accent. <laughs> that was it. Um most deep gnome settlements, <laughs> speaking of awful accents are usually in a large cavern surrounded by a series of tunnels and other caverns that all interlock, housing about a thousand or so gnomes. Um, I cannot imagine a thousand of that voice echoing inside an echo chamber. <laughs> that's, that's the scary part. I don't think there needs to be a thousand of this happening. 
happening, happening, happening. <laughs> happening, 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 happening. <laughs> um, the highest ranking members often had their homes built into the like into the stalactites hanging from the ceiling, while those of lower class had their homes built into the surrounding walls and floors, with some of the oldest homes being carved directly into the stone of the surrounding cavern. That sounds awesome. Having mm-hmm. your house built into a stalagmite? Yeah, just like chilling, hanging from the ceiling in this fancy... No, stay, uh, stalactite. Is it a tight that's up top? Tight, stalactite meaning top. Okay, okay. Well, see, right? there you go. This is why I'm not a... I don't know. I think so. Either way. Either way. <laughs> Very cool. Right. So, I want to live in one of those. Right. I, I could love have as the a first grader. You could have as a first grader. I should have. I probably made it to sixth grade before I, I hit the weight limit for being. I should have ran away from home to the underdark. <laughs> I'm going to run away from home to be a deep gnome. The Sergio story. That's the that's my autobiography. So these settlements are not often visited by outsiders as they like to keep themselves kind of, you know, away from that. Um, even others of their kind and many Swerf Neblin never even venture out of the haven um, of their hole in the wall village. They find it safer to crowd together, to like squish in together for protection, with families often sharing only one room and the children remaining at home until they've married and had children of their own sounds very like hobbit like you know from lord of the rings it it does it does to me as well minus the like always present threat of death right right it's like it's like the 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 upside down version (laughs) yeah there you that deep gnomes are like upside down versions of hobbits (laughs) And nobody else would understand that except us and our people. So you guys are in on the uh, cutting room floor of an inside joke. I go say that in public around normal people. He's going to get a special hugging himself jacket. I'm going to get a bless your heart. Maybe too. Oh, honey. And a tilted head to go with it. Yeah. Oh, honey. And also a sir, this is a Wendy's, but go on. (laughs) Papa. Um, so they're exceptionally um, skilled at living and existing within their environment harmoniously. And I mean to say that as the actual environment, not everything in the environment that wants to kill them. Right. Like, like the, the actual the natural rock. environment. The, yes, the natural environment. Um, they carved and shaped the stone to create functional homes without destroying what surrounds them. Um, Their skill in working with gems, with mining and artificing made their creations highly sought after by the merchants that were brave enough to traverse the Underdark. Um, These stealthy and cunning little fellows also make excellent guides, foragers, and scouts because of their knowledge of the tunnels and passages and portals long forgotten by the other species. Those that weren't content to stay home and in the security of their hidden underground caverns usually left because they were seeking prospecting fortunes or going to find training or, you know, to become warriors. This specific type of gnome is very, very well suited 
which I will say that I did not play any of these before I throw this out there. <laughs> They're well suited to being rangers, fighters, rogues, or wizards. Um, those that went out and survived their adventures returning home would sometimes become uh, become these things called breach gnomes which i thought were extremely cool it's basically that's very cool is it right they're basically elite fighters that are trained to hold off enemies as long as possible in order to defend their villages which is just just a bunch of little tiny guys fighting until the end just fighting to the burger i love it so their diet is a reflection of the way they lived as well typically having um salted meats as opposed to cooking them because of the aforementioned risks of fire and smoke and i assume the lovely taste of um cooked foods i pictured cartoonish versions of it like the smells wafting down the corridors like bug bunny style <laughs> and a mind flayer like smells it and floats and just kind of like floating along <laughs> you're welcome i like that need that <laughs> need that drawing like done, he says like... he needs that drawing but his face looked vaguely pained when i, I mean it. look i i need it i don't always Everything that I need isn't something I desire, but sometimes I just need something because I know it's for my own good. This is cursed. I love it. Exactly. Um, anyway, but <laughs> this made their food nearly inedible to outsiders as well. Um, some of their common staples included several versions of exotic mushrooms found only in the Underdark. Those will kill you. Dish. Yes. <laughs> Unless you are predisposed to consuming them. Right. And you know, and blind fish. Occasionally, they would also roast, you know, goat or mutton or roaf, which is a hooved herd animal that are found down there as well. Um, they were known to occasionally partake of a specific drink, which I thought was pretty neat too. And this would make for some excellent situations in campaign, in my opinion. Um, they partook of a drink called Gorgondi or Gorgondi wine, which is said to give you powerful visions when consumed. It's made from the waters drawn from the fountain of memory. Um, but this wine drink thing gets its reddish hue from the powdered rubies within it, and it is kept only in iron bottles. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Artistically speaking, uh, they prefer to use a lot of gemstones in their work making them some of the finest jewelers in the Underdark. These resourceful little guys also uh, turned their cultivation of mushrooms for food into a wider industry, creating fungi that could be used for, you know, wood, textiles, furnishings, all of those things as well. And for their defenses, they mostly designed weapons that could also be used as tools. Um, but they favored darts, crossbows, and light picks. Um, also specialized in different types of weapons, such as caltrops carved from crystals, which I would love to have some of those. So, you know, if you happen to be a gnome and be listening, feel free. I don't know. I mean, okay. I don't know why <laughs> you'd want those, but... Just for, just to have them on my desk with all my other pretty little trinkets. Okay. What about okay. what about the acid about the, darts? Those I'd be fine with, and also flash grenades. But I feel like I probably don't need flash grenades. I would injure myself. 
before. But you'd be fine with the acid else. darts. Well, yeah, I would keep them locked up and not touch them. You know, they say that a home with acid darts is 50% more likely to have someone die as a result of acid dart. Is that what Statistically they say? speaking, yes. Statistically speaking, which uh, is that from the Department of Gnomeland Security or? <laughs> Let's go to the middle of the show. I can't with you. I can't. Let's go to the middle of the show. I can't. <laughs> You're welcome. Welcome to the middle of the show where we do all manner of, I say all manner of things. We really do like three things. Like three things here. Oh, <laughs> like, so we do so things. much here. Like we do. It's we, the same things. We thank the patrons. We thank Absolutely, the patrons. 100%. Thank we, you. We discuss uh, any kind of like recent D&D news, like any kind of recent mm-hmm. headlines. Uh, mm-hmm, and then we mm-hmm. get into some homebrew shenanigans. Like that's pretty much all we do in the middle it's of the show. We, consistent, we, yeah. we really talk and it's it's a great it's a great segment. The, all three things are great, but we really kind of talk it up to be like it's like this like hodgepodge of like different activities and <laughs> and and but it's not. It's just we do the same three things. They're important and they're great, but it's it's just a three. So Let's start. Let's just let's start. Let's stop explaining the middle of the show and just start doing the middle. We can just of the tell show. them, you know, we can just do it. Like they've they've been here. They know. They know. You know. And if and if this is your first episode, well, now now you know. And we gave you the intro, the crash course. So here it is. <laughs> so what? Uh, what do we? Okay, first we we really thank thank the people, thank the patrons, thank the people, thank the patrons. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Um, it is. So, so, so deeply appreciated. And I'll say it the exact same way every time because we're consistent in the middle of the show in what we do. We we have so many fun ideas for the community that um, that has been built around the lore cast mm-hmm. that uh, are only possible because of the support from the Patreon. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 appreciate and we love Every single listener, everyone who retweets us, everyone who yes. uh, joins us in a conversation on the Robots Radio Network Discord, mm-hmm. uh, D&D Lorecast channel. Uh, but, you know, there, there are just certain things like certain uh, goals that we can only attain through the support of the Patreon. Right. And so we're we're, we're especially thankful for, for those folk because yeah, like we want to get this. We want to spread the love and the joy of D&D to as many mm-hmm. people as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not doing this to um, to you know be able to Scrooge McDuck dive into a you know ocean of gold coins, a pool of gold coins. I'm not going to say I don't want to, but that's not the goal here, right? Like I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind being able. I would probably just want to lay on it, though. I feel like diving would be a lot more painful than not, where. I... Yeah, not the most like physics wise uh, yeah, wise just, choice. Yeah, just. What happened? I tried to dive into. I digress. I was trying to dive into a dragon's hoard. Things went awry. <laughs> you know, and now I'm in a full body cast. But yeah. Uh, but no. But so thank you so much to all the patrons. If you are yes. interested in supporting us in that sort of way, there are there are perks and bennies to that. You get uh, early ad free episodes every single week. You mm-hmm. get uh, bonus content every yeah. single month. 
you get uh just depending on the tier you get all sorts of cool stuff you get a uh, free merchandise we just sent out some mugs to some wizard level patrons mm-hmm. and we got t-shirts on the way we got tote bags uh hoodies all sorts yeah. of stuff we'll play in a game with you we'll join true. In, we'll join one of your sessions or we will dm a session for you a one shot mm-hmm. absolutely so you can check that out on DD or patreon.com slash DD lorecast. And then also all the social medias. You can find us everywhere. The IGs, the TikToks, the uh the Insta what's the, it? The Twitters, the Insta. The Twitters, the tweetsins. Yeah. All that. We are DD Lorecast. We got the, the branding is crucial. And we it's got true. in. We got in on the on the ground. We floor. did. We got in on the branding and we're consistent in the middle of our shows. Ooh, that's I mean, if nothing else, that's that's what that's what I can offer. Got that. <laughs> so moving on to the D&D news, we got some fun stuff. Obviously, like a lot of every a lot of stuff in this month as we barrel toward March 31st and the release of Dungeons and Dragons Science. Honor Among Thieves. Uh, it's going to be focused on the movie. And of course, uh, we've got uh, a new trailer that we'll link to in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, there are official stats for the characters in the movie that <gasps> have been released on D&D Beyond. Oh, I don't even think I've peeped these yet. Oh, How yeah. Do you catch in the lore mistress by there, surprise. If I catch the lore mistress slipping, you know that I'm, I rolled a 20 on stealth. Oh. You did. I also probably rolled real low on my perception, if we're being honest. <laughs> it's a combination of both. True to form. Like my uh, like my Spurf Neblin Paladin, my perception. I didn't see nothing. <laughs> uh, you see a doorway. There's not a door there. That's um, not a doorway. So, uh, yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes as well, but you can download, you can claim... Uh, the contents of the thieves gallery, which include, um, like I said, stat blocks for all the mm-hmm. the heroes slash thieves, uh, in the main party, plus the dungeon master himself, Hugh Grant. So if you ever wanted to run Hugh Grant in a TTRPG D and D game, and let's be honest, um, among who us, who hasn't? Who hasn't? Uh, now is your chance. Now is your chance to uh to do so. Absolutely, that is fantastic. And I don't, I don't know, just like digressing just slightly. I don't know that it's really like actually hit me that we are just weeks away, days away from a D&D, from a <sighs> live action, big budget D&D movie. Like the, ugh, I'm so excited. I'm so ready for the thing. These are absolutely stunning. Right. They like, they look fantastic. The art is glorious. And then also uh, we got. I saw a cool little headline and I'm always going to I'm always going to promote and and trumpet and and you know lauds uh stories like these but Absolutely. a um a story uh out of Seattle it says uh, the headline is Seattle researchers find that dungeons and dragons can help kids build social emotional skills. Yep. And it's a it's a quick it's a quick read but basically like uh over the course of uh several years they this conducted this study that states that uh, kids playing these collaborative in-person games, mm-hmm. uh, like learning to problem solve, learning to um, learning teamwork, uh, yep. in a safe space in a safe environment, are great great ways to prepare for real life scenarios. 
Right. It absolutely, it gives you the opportunity to take the risks without taking a full size risk. And you can see what ramifications from the things come out. I've seen a couple few articles kind of going back to this and it being used as like therapeutic, therapeutic type tools as well. Um, and I am 100% on board. And as an adult that has used it as a therapeutic tool, it has oh yeah, absolutely done so much more than the sur- surface level goofiness that we all enjoy. And I mean, it, and it, it's not even like, um, not just you know, as as deep as like you know, as a, being a therapeutic or even as mm-hmm. surface level as like being just goofy mm-hmm. as a way to like kill some time to blow off. Scene. Absolutely. But, I mean, there are there are times where like you know, my biweekly campaign that I've been in for a couple of years. You know, I like several of us have texted the group chat like, hey, like we're playing this Friday, right? Because like I definitely need this. I need like, this. It has been a couple yeah. of weeks at home or at work. And I, I need That's where I'm at tonight. It's yeah. been almost a month since I've played just with Ooh. everything going on in, you know, in my you're orbit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're itching. Yeah. Yeah. You got the dice sweats. I got the uh, I got the sweats. I need my dice. Somebody so, uh, give yeah. me some dice. Like I said, it's a quick little read. We'll uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, of course, our home our homebrew shenanigans. Always <gasps> always fun to get into um, what uh, you know what the what the community at large is That's... is making. And what as because we're talking on? about deep gnomes, I uh, wandered on into the DMs Guild uh, merchant. And asked asked the merchant, they're like, "What? Well, what do you have for deep gnomes?" And they said, "How about tentacles?" I said, "Tentacles." Uh, yeah. And I found tentacles. Why did it have to be tentacles? By Alan <laughs> Tucker. Now this I'm is here for it. This is a silver medal bestseller. It's got uh, four and a half stars. It's um, a four hour adventure for fifth to seventh level characters that you can fit into a, a campaign that uh, already uh, is pre-existing or as uh, a one shot. Uh, but the, the plot is a colony of deep gnomes have had their main water source taken over by a group of Koa Toa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are the fishy folk really the ones to blame for leaving the gem loving snurf smurf snurf lev 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 deep gnomes <laughs> thirsty and so yeah it, it, it's and right now it's originally uh usually only 295 so 3 bucks for a beautiful you know for an evening of fun which yeah. you, you can't beat that with a stick you can't yeah. entertain you know what like 5 to s- 7 people over yeah, an something evening like that, for yeah. three bucks. That's maddening. Stop. If you're trying to convince me otherwise, just stop. Uh, but right now, up until uh, March 14th, uh, due to the GM's day sale, it's only $2.07. That is awesome. And then just really quickly, if that tickles your fancy, there is a part two to this adventure. Uh, tentacles, very dangerous. You go first. Uh, and so that's part two of the adventure also on sale, uh, uh, pick that up. Uh, and that's for, you know, either six to eight level, depending on what you started the, the first part. Right. Love it. Also the names killing it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Killing it with these titles. Very good stuff. So, uh, check those out. They are of course, uh, linked in the show notes. 
But mm-hmm. um, now that we've finished up the middle of the show, let's let's finish up the uh, the deep dome talk. And maybe maybe I'll actually get to maybe I'll nail the name the the S word the S name. Maybe I'll nail that by show's end. We'll see. I don't know. Sure, sure you will. I believe in you. At least someone does. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from the middle of the show. We're talking snurf. We're talking deep gnomes. True, we are. We are talking deep gnomes. The uh... Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, I I can't. By the end of the show, hopefully, I'll be mm-hmm. able to pronounce the name correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't hold your breath. I'm not. I'm gonna do some more talking. I know Thanks. better. Exactly. So let's let's I'll... let's talk about some uh some deep gnome magic and some deep gnome spirituality. Of course, of course. Not, um, deep gnomes aren't religious; they're just spiritual. That's right. They're kind of spiritual. <laughs> um. So the <laughs> Smurf Neblin, like their cousins, uh, they prefer to utilize illusion as opposed to the other schools of magic. However, this was not just a preference for them like in their case it is like it is in other known cultures it was a means of survival for them so the their illusionists were often familiar with a massive wealth of ancient forgotten lore that had been things recovered in the ruins of civilizations before them like when they moved through you know picking up different things from those there from people that also maybe unfortunate adventures that adventurers that happen to leave gear and stuff behind when they you know go into the underdark they looted their bodies just come on they looted their bodies okay we've all played elder scrolls we've all done that i uh i've never played elder scrolls oh man did i say elden scrolls you said elder oh did i yeah and most of us have played elden ring like yeah, we've we've looted bodies. It happens. It does. It happens. They're not using it anymore. It can be done respectfully. I mean, that's that's all. You know, D and D is based upon like all these dungeon crawls, right? It's basically it's grave true. robbing. Like somebody, you know, the, usually well, these dungeons are somebody's you guys burial. Want to sit ground. down and play a play a play a little bit grave of robbing a... simulator. <laughs> grave robbing simulator. Oh, you mean Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, yeah. and yes, I do. I yeah, do. I do I want do. to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, but they don't didn't necessarily understand all of this ancient lore and magic and stuff of that nature. But they did. Well, I might not know what all it's good for, but I'm going to use it in whichever way I can. They're very resourceful little guys, you know. Um, those that didn't choose the path of magics, or that chose magic but weren't illusionists, tended to. Um, trend towards divination instead and use this in order to like locate materials they need to survive or to find different things of that nature as far as spirituality and religion goes um much like other gnomes they also worship the norm like the gnome pantheon you know i do but they're not real devout I need you to know that is a that is also my white dragon voice. So you're welcome. That's your white dragon voice. That is the voice that happened for the white dragon. Just that valley girl, and we ended up calling her Jessica because I'm real bad at thinking of names on the spot. 
I mean, it's a pretty <laughs> good, you know, basic name for like a valley girl. Not to say that if your name is Jessica, you are basic, but I mean, that's one of the names I remember growing up. Like there mm-hmm. was usually like two or three in my class. And so there was like Jessica P and Jessica M. Same. Absolutely same. Just a uh, product of our times, aren't we? Um, their religious roles, though, because like I said, they're not particularly devout. Not, you know, praising the pantheon day and night. Mostly because they don't know what day and night are. Um, but right. they're... Their religious roles, their clerics, etc., stuff like that, did still play a very, very vital role in their society. Um, their job was to keep spirits up during times of trouble, helping to, you know, guard and protect the morale, um, in spite of all of the hardships these guys face as a people. Um, and though they don't feel a particularly strong bond to the gnome deity, the um oh my gosh, what is the word? It is but not his... HMFIC. Oh, his name is Garl Glittergold. Yeah, Garl Glittergold. Which but I... he is the something of the Gnome Pantheon, and that one word is escaping me. Guy who's the... in charge. The he's the one in... he's the he's the head honcho. Yeah, I know, but I can't just say he's the HMFIC, the head for charge. That's not I mean you could. I could, but it's not politically correct. No, maybe not. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. That's true. Hmm. They didn't feel a particularly strong bond to the gnome deity, Garl Glittergold, uh, feeling that they had been abandoned by this deity for less serious variations of gnomes. You know, the guys up top that aren't as serious because their lives aren't as difficult. Oh my gosh, they're emo that makes that's that makes a lot of sense as to why you connect with them so deeply it it all hit at once it, it it clicked it's not a phase they felt closer to sagojan um earth caller who is a neutral gnome god that watched over the deep earth and all of those that dwell there also happens to be the gnomish god of the dead now they this like, coming up this is this, what, this is what I'm into. So cool. This is so cool. <laughs> so they did, however, live in fear of a specific gnome deity called Erdlin, um, who is also known as the Crawler Below. He's the only evil gnome deity who took the form of a hairless, genderless, blind mole with claws made of steel. That is... That is metal AF. Yeah. I love Absolutely it. Absolutely used as a, a threat to gnome children making too much noise. You better keep your mouths down or Erdlin's going to come and take you away. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's like they're, they're boogeyman, except I guess like is real. You know, is real. Is how, right. you know, seeing as how like deities in D&D are, are, are real and, and right. walk, they walk among us. Um, crawl below. Oh, Erdlin. And yeah, like he, I I believe the first artistic depiction of Erdlin mm-hmm. was way back in an early uh, issue of Dragon Magazine. Ooh. And it's absolutely terrifying. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I feel like that's just going to have to be shared. 
Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna we're definitely posting it to the uh, Robots Radio Network Discord D and D Lorecast channel. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> they did, however, feel the most strongly connected out of all of their you know the gnomish pantheon um, with a deity called Kalar Duran Smooth Hands, the Master of Stone, because it was according to their legends that it was he who taught them to summon and befriend the earth elements so they honor him by using the star from his holy symbol in all of their work so he's the guy that taught them to work with the earth and to be able to do what they do in order to survive um they used this as a reminder that they did actually come from above where the stars can be seen and that they are not all alone down there in the dark there are also a couple other uh, gnomish gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bervin, Wild Wanderer, mm-hmm. who was a lesser god, uh, and Garl Glittergold's closest rival as far as uh, like being a good-natured mischief is concerned. Uh, he's a forest gnome. Um, so like obviously like maybe not as revered by the deep gnomes right. as, as surface gnomes. Um, but, you know, for maybe like one of... Uh, if someone's like, ah, I'm not a Garl guy, I'm a Baravan guy. Mm-hmm. And then also there is Flandel Steelskin. I think you just wanted to say more gnomish names. I did. I really did. They uh, have the <laughs> best names. They're so silly. Flandel wears only a leather apron for armor. Oh. Yep. Like open back where I. Well, I know which god I'm choosing. <laughs> Yeah. Just out there full cheeking it for the world in an apron only. This full moon, yeah. I love it. It's not dark after all. But yeah, it's it's like it's uh it's enchanted, so it reduces um all damage from heat and fire by half. Uh it's yeah, I mean it's the greatest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> I told you they're awesome. They're pretty great. And then of course there's Earthland who looks like um the uh worst kind of mole rat you could ever think of uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. speaking of their relationships with other beings um many species uh regard them the same way that they regard the durgar and the drow assuming that they are also that the Swerf neblin are also vindictive and cruel which is generally untrue they're sullen often suspicious but they're still typically pretty agreeable. Um, however, they're not really in a rush to correct that perception of themselves because they do prefer to be left alone. You're not See correct, that. but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because you're not bothering me any. Right. <laughs> typically made most of their contact with those outside their community in a neutral cavern with several escape routes, escape routes just in case making their they made their living selling you know weapons gems and their metalwork to outsiders so we're i keep mentioning that that's not where they like where they came from right you mentioned like you know they they made their way to the underdark they did they did make their way from their previous home so right where is their where is their homeland some of their gnome lands um and their history there it is. Yeah, yeah. So, Again, 
I was prepared this time. You were. I, I saw you l- brace for impact. I saw you. I kind of lobbed it up to you. I appreciate that. I do. I, I appreciate the assist. <laughs> they had several, several towns east of the Great Rift um, that were peaceful neighbors with the dwarves uh, of the Deep Realm. They also aided in the bloodstone mines in Damara, and by 1372 DR, they had even opened a college of illusion magic. Most of them, however, lived beneath, hidden away, trying to stay clear of the under, of the other underdark races that sought to, well, exploit and, uh, you know, subjugate them. So, explains the hiding. Yeah, <laughs> May not as- have... As many underdark race species are, you know, known to do. As as they are wont to do. This is true. So they may not, however, have always dwelt so far below the surface, as there is evidence of gnome cities below some of the human cities in Faerun. Calumport, for example, was built on top of a deserted gnome city, turning their dwellings into cellars and sewers. The disrespect. That's yeah, the disrespect, but also if it's abandoned, at least it's being used. But also I like guess. the yeah, but the, the disrespect. It, yeah, it's I don't know how I feel about that. That's fair. Um, there was a gnome city um called Dolbund to the northeast of Waterdeep that also had evidence of Swerf Neblin dwellings near the surface. But that was from before the Dracolich Dourgothoth, aka the Creeping Doom, came That's through, and they kind of had awesome to... metal band name. It is absolutely, and it is on my list of possible things that we're just gonna dump on our patrons. Yep, I mean. And that's- that's yeah this is this, this is like deity lore is like the gift that never keeps that never stops giving because we'll be researching one thing and then something else will come up and be like oh that sounds awesome i have my notes for the episode and i always have an additional set of notes where i just write stuff that i need to uh rabbit hole off into but i can't allow the adhd to have it until i'm done yep you can't focus here till we're done <laughs> um but because they lack ways of keeping track of time or um, having any sense of day, night, etc., their history is actually less documented than other gnomes. So as far as writing treaties and having all of these, you know, written catalogs and encyclopedia type things, but not their own lore. Oh. The cultural lack of history is so vast that outside of gnome culture... Their story is basically little more than what happened to the city of Blingdenstone, which is the only Svarth Neblin settlement known to outsiders. And so, if Eagle, I was going to say, eagle eared listeners of the D&D lore cast might recognize Blingdenstone as uh-huh. the uh, city that Dritz visits in the Dark Elf trilogy. It's true. This is very true. It was founded in the year of fragile beginnings, ironically enough, in negative 690 DR by clans that were fleeing from Ferrums, which are a grub-like aberration, but kind of more like the things in Tremors. They're all like teeth, but they have these clawed, gangly limbs and a bad attitude. (laughs) 
Right. Okay. So right. not not nice. Right. So they had been fleeing from all these things, founded this town, and it grew well. I mean, it was doing doing all right near, you know, Menzo Berenzon and the Dorgar fortress of Grakstug, which is a great name. Oh, Gracklestug, excuse. Um, and it survived there for over two millennia, thriving on the rich veins of Arendor and other exotic materials. But to outsiders, that's the only uh, that's the only bit of gnome history they know is what happened to them there. And then finally, I would like to leave our dear travelers with a small Swerf Neblin legend. So there are tales that speak of a place beyond the daunting peaks of the spine of the world. Far below the icy clutches of the endless ice sea is said to be the home of the gnomish kingdom of Azelcor. It is kept warm by the very breath seeping from the earth below volcanic vents, allowing the gnomes to grow great forests and fungi for food, drink, furniture, etc., and is said to be rich in ruby deposits, producing good quality stones with some as big as a fist or larger that is trapped beneath the icy sea. Which to me sounds like an adventure hug, but I mean, everything obviously. does. <laughs> Anything can be an adventure hug. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a better a better way to start a, a adventure than trying to find this like ancient gnomish kingdom buried beneath the ice. Ah, I love it. And on the on, you know, and then you meet friends along the way, and that's the true treasure. That's true. You know, that's what everyone just wants is some friends. Maybe you and run loot. into and loot, what? you know, loot that you steal off the dead bodies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then Recycling. maybe you run into Erdlin. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, you might run into an Erdlin or, uh, you know, the creeping doom. Uh, I love this little, I had to look up Erdlin. Uh, of course. Erdlin's realm is the worm realm located on the 399th layer of the abyss. There, Erdlin tunnels through the ground, completely unconcerned with his petitioners who dig in the tunnels he leaves behind. The petitioners, mostly evil gnomes, have no society whatsoever. They simply pursue their own greed in the ore-rich earth. That's where all the greedy little gnomes are sent. Greedy little, it. greedy little suckers. That is so far down in the abyss. That elevator ride? gotta be it's gotta be hell that's like multiple dimension doors oh i see what you did there i did, oh. it. I did it well nice. there you have it for the smurf neblins the smurf closer the, the smurf neblins there it is Smurf neblin uh there you go so uh, like you're a drunk guy trying to shout something, <laughs> trying to cheer at a football game. <laughs> They're like that. Cut that guy off. The, the, the blue. <laughs> yeah, like that guy is either super drunk or a big D and D fan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's just trying to pronounce something in D and D ish. Don't worry. That's all it is. He's don't speaking nerdish. Don't worry. Don't about worry it. about him. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons yes. Lorecast. We love what we do. Uh, we we do. would be doing it uh, even if we. Uh, didn't get to talk about it every week with y'all because uh, that's how much we are obsessed. Mm -hmm. with, we are obsessed mm -hmm. with this game, with with this lore, with it's tabletop like role-playing games in general. Yes. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. 
Uh, join us next week. We're gonna we're gonna continue, you know, wandering around the underdark. Hopefully, we don't get killed, and mm, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully, we have some uh, cool new lore to share with y'all. Yes, indeed. My name is Sergio, and I am Mary. Bear thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Underdark Party, what's up? Let's go!